Welcome. Good to see everybody here this morning. We are on a 10-week series. I believe we're on week six of a 10-week series called How to Obtain Wisdom. And if we want to learn how to obtain it, we first must know uh, what it is. Um, lots of different definitions, all kind of lining up to the same um, principles and the same points. Wisdom is the ability to discern how God uh, would have us live. He's our creator. He's our Lord. He's our master. How does God want us to live in the business field? How does God want us to live in our relationships? How does God want us to uh, live raising our children? If we understand that, wisdom is coming our way. Wisdom is making the decision that brings life. Wisdom is making a correct decision when the moral rules do not apply. Wisdom is the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, um, and lasting. You can judge what is true and right, but if you don't judge what is lasting, then wisdom is not yours. An example is given that in Matthew when Jesus is talking about a foolish builder that builds his house on the sand. And when everything comes his way, all the trials, it, it gets wiped out. You have to have wisdom to build it onto a rock, make it eternal. So if you look at how to obtain it, you'll see a common denominator on all these that we've mentioned in the past, and we'll just go through the ones that we've mentioned, then we'll see the common denominator, but read the word, fear God, get in touch with reality, respond to God's reproof, and then of course you have to ask for it. So how to obtain wisdom, it seems like if you look at all of these areas of how to obtain wisdom, God is pulling us into himself. Outside of God, wisdom does not exist. But if you want wisdom, wisdom on how this world functions, wisdom on how you should function in this world, it seems like there's a common denominator that's consistently pulling us towards God. Read the Word, fear God, get in touch with reality. This world is not just it. There's a reality that's beyond this world. It's a larger picture. Uh, respond to God's reproof and ask for it. And then today's, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3. It says, to obtain wisdom, you need to trust God. Another statement that does what? Pulls us right to God if we're going to have wisdom. Let's read the passage and then we'll go through the passage. Proverbs 3, 1 through 7. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they'll prolong your life many years and bring prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Let's look in our notes number two as we go through the passage. God's wisdom is different from the world's wisdom. There is a couple different wisdoms out there. One wisdom is God's wisdom, which is the ultimate wisdom. And if you look at that passage, it says if you want to gain favor in the sight of God and man, find God's wisdom and they'll give you the sight of both. Find the world's wisdom and you'll, you'll have neither. Two different wisdoms, world wisdom, God's wisdom. But what's interesting about the world's wisdom and God's wisdom is you can almost just make the statement, almost rewrite that point to say, God thinks backwards than the way the world thinks. God has something in his mind that is different than the way that our minds want to react, our minds want to respond, and our minds want to live. Now, if we walk through the Bible, God just literally comes out and says it. He says it in Isaiah 55. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are what? Are higher than your thoughts. In other words, you think differently than God. 
God is coming from a perspective that is different than even your perspective. Yes, we are eternal beings, but our nature is saying, well, this world is all around us. This world is driving our decisions. This world is driving our choices. And God says, don't. I don't think that way. I think differently than the world wants to pull you into thinking. What does it mean that God thinks backwards, or we could use it the other way, we think backwards because God is correct, but I'll just use it that way because we can take our common denominator because we know how we think. God thinks different than us. All the way through the Bible, what do we see? We see comments like in James 4.10, it says, the way down is the way up. Now, does that make any sense to the human nature? Does that make any sense in the business field? It makes sense to God. If you want to climb to the greatest mountain, you've got to go down before you're ever going to go up. The broken heart is the healed heart. You want to find healing? You need to be broken before the Savior that can save you, and healing will come your way, and there's no other way to do it. So therefore, you have to be broken before you're going to be healed. The contrite spirit is a rejoicing spirit. Everybody's seeking happiness. Well, according to the Bible, it says if you want happiness, you want joy, you want to rejoice, you want to be excited, be contrite, broken before God, and that's where the excitement and the joy even comes from. But it makes no sense to the human mind. The repenting soul is a victorious soul. Repenting is absolutely humiliating. Repenting is saying, I have done something wrong. And (laughs) my nature and my mind says, why would I want to tell anybody that I've done something wrong? Because they'll think less of me. Well, in God's mind, he says, oh, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Well, if you do, if you repent, victory is going to come your way. Do you see how God thinks different than we do? To be low is to be high. To have nothing is to possess all. To bear the cross is to wear the crown. To give is to receive. Now, is that a good business decision? If you look at the book of Proverbs, it says that wisdom is crying out in the streets. What is that explaining to us? It's saying wisdom is going into New York City and crying out into the business world. That if you want wisdom, go to God if you want to understand how to run your business. Go to God if you want to understand how to run your family. Go to God if you want to understand how to run your relationships. It's on every dynamic of your life, but it's got to have a direction. The world's or God's. If you want the dynamics of your life to have wisdom in every dynamic, you still have to go to God. But he says, what? To give is to receive? You mean it's better if I give money than to receive money? That makes no sense for from a business mind, because I'm supposed to accumulate if I'm going to be strong. And God says, no, 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 if you want to be strong, you start giving it away. If you want to keep your life, what do you need to do? <laughs> you need to lose it. That's a little bit different concept than we naturally think, but that's the way God works. If you want to be free, obey. Many people reject God. And the reason why, because they say, oh, the Bible's full of a book of rules. The Bible's not full of a book of rules. The Bible is full of complete and entire freedom. But the only way to find freedom is to obey the moral guidelines in the Bible, and then freedom is yours. And refusing that, freedom will not be yours. Alcoholics would completely attest to it. Those who are addicted to um, anything out there in the world would completely attest to it and say, if I could only go back and not taste the sin that God told me to stay with in the, the beginning, then I would be free. If you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be strong, be weak. that make any logical sense? Well, it does in God's mind, because in our weakness, then he is strong. You see how he's thinking? If you want to fight effectively, get on your knees. Now, when I was raising my daughters, I always wanted to teach them how to fight, 
And I started at a really young age because I didn't want anybody to grab a hold of them that should never grab a hold of them. If somebody did, I wanted them to take that person out. So sure enough, what did we do? We wrestled on the bed, starting at the youngest age we could possibly find. And I explained to them the way that you attack is you attack your big body against small parts of the other person's body. So in other words, when you fight me, I'm bigger than they are, mostly when they're little kids, when you fight me, attack the small parts of my body. Go after my pinky finger. Because if you can grab a hold of my pinky finger and manage my pinky finger, you can manage me. And uh, they didn't believe that when they were one, two, three. I believed it when they were four because <laughs> I stopped wrestling. The reason why is they can beat me when they're four, five, six years old because I couldn't grab their pinky finger and manhold them, but they were doing it to me and they were consistently winning. So if you, God says, all right, we want to fight because this world is a tough world to live in. This world is a strong world to live in. Things are coming your way that you will not want to manage, and you need to fight against them. What do you need to do? You need to get on your knees. That's not something I told my daughters to do when they fight. The reason why, I mean, just in specific, fight. The reason why is because when you're on your knees, you're in the weakest position as a human body. You can get pushed over because you're top-heavy. You're humbled in a sense that (laughs) you're not very intimidating. But God says, no, if you want to fight, you get on your knees, you close your eyes, and you fold your hand, and you pray. That means you're going to war. Petra had a song, get on your knees and fight like a man. You see what takes place is God thinks different than we do. But remember how God thinks. God thinks from the entire perspective of the world and eternity, and he looks at all of it as a large reality. And so when God thinks different, he's, he's wrapping up the world inside of eternity, And we are just wrapping up ourselves in the world and we only think in the world's perspective. And God says, granted, you'll never find wisdom if you choose to do that. 1 Corinthians 1.19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. In other words, he's going to wipe you out if you only hang on to the world and not look at it from an eternity perspective. The intelligent of the intelligent, I will frustrate. How does God frustrate the intelligent? Let me give you an example. Pick a temperament of this animal. I'm going to list here. Pick one temperament. Do you want a temperament of a lion, a bear, an ox, a mule, or a sheep? Just get a pick one. I'd instantly go for the lion. Oh, the aggressive, the strong, a business person that can walk in and everybody respects. Some people say, no, I like the bear mentality better. I like the ox, somebody who's persistent, somebody who's strong, somebody who's committed. This is a temperament that I want. I'd even like to be a mule. Nobody's going to move me. I'm going to go the way that I'm supposed to go, and nobody's going to mule me, move me at all. But you look at the Bible and God says, if you want to be the most human you can possibly ever be and function the way that you're supposed to function in this world, don't pick the lion, don't pick the ox, don't pick the mule, don't pick the bear, pick the sheep. (laughs) Act like a sheep. Now, what is that going to do? That is going to frustrate the wise person. But yeah, God thinks different than we do. God says, be a sheep that is dependent on what? On the shepherd. We see that all the way through Scripture. Now, is that something that I want to stand up and say, hey, I'm a sheep? No. But yet, God is saying, if you want to be human, you want to function, you want to do it correctly in this world, you want to make wisdom come your way, the sheep is a characteristic that you're going to be walking towards more than anything else. 1 Corinthians 3.19, for the wisdom of the world is completely and entirely foolishness to God. 1 Corinthians 1.20, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? That verse kind of shows that uh, he kind of enjoys a little bit thinking backwards. 
I think backwards than everybody else. This is God speaking. I think backwards than everybody else, and I kind of enjoy it. I kind of delight it. And this verse is literally throwing it into our face, asking the question, where is your scholar? Where is your philosopher? Where is the wise person of the age? The reason why he's throwing it back into our face is because he knows that the wise, the technology, the strength of all the humans has not made this world better, has not made society better, has not made relationships better, has not made people better. We are more educated than our forefathers, but we still don't know how to do anything right, even though that we are more educated. We are, um, have the more means of helping each other than we've ever had in this entire world, but we're still not any less selfish. We have more means of communication, but we do not understand each other any better at all. Yo, we're getting wise. We're getting the world's wisdom. We understand how to communicate, and I could communicate to Africa, India, just on a simple email, but we just still don't understand anything. We don't understand anything better. We have more psychology education and more crime and war, even though we have that. Education and trained people and knowledge can maybe make you successful in a career, but it will never give you a life. And here we are, we can be people in this world that says, well, I want to make it through life, and we hang on to the world's wisdom, and we can be sex, uh, successful in areas, but we never get the life that we want. Why? Because God thinks different than we do. God thinks different than we do. And if we want wisdom on how to get the life, what do we need to do? We need to think God's way. If we want wisdom, we need to think God's way. There's three large components that if God requires, I would say God demands, and God says you must have if you want wisdom. In other words, my wisdom. And it's found in the passage. The first requirement, God's wisdom requires what? That you trust him. <laughs> he thinks backwards. He thinks different. And he enjoys it. The reason why he enjoys it is because you can't lean on your own understanding and make it. You have to do what? You have to trust him. Now, one thing about trust, if you ever study the word trust, is trust is a powerful word. In other words, if I'm talking to a, a couple um, that don't trust each other, I, and they're having problems in their marriage, I would explain to them that there is no intimacy unless you start trusting each other. Because the break of trust is the break of intimacy. People cannot get connected if you refuse to trust each other. That's the first thing you have to work on. We've got to work on trusting each other. Trust brings fellowship. Trust brings unity. And refusal to trust brings complete entire um, disorder. And I'm talking about just in our relationships here in this earth. But it's interesting that God uses this powerful thing that if you want wisdom, the first thing you need to do is trust me. What is that going to do? That's going to bring you intimacy with God. The more we trust God, the more intimate we're going to be with him. And the more intimate we're going to be with him, the more he's going to do what? He's going to give us his mind. He's going to give us his heart. He's going to give us his will. He's going to give us his personality. Do You see how powerful the word trust is? is if we say, okay, God, I give up. I'm not going to lean on my mind. I'm not going to lean on my decisions. I'm just going to trust that you're in control and trust that you're powerful. You see the, how God migrates to you? It's in the passage, Proverbs 3.1. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching. I provided teaching. I provided the word. But keep the commands in your heart, 
for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. There is something that's going to prolong your life and bring you prosperity. It is the commands. And then he says, trust me (laughs) with all your heart. Remember how we think. God thinks different. And he's saying, I think different than you. Don't think the way you want to think and don't do the things you want to do. Just sit back, take the power of trust. And if you do, what? Years will come to your life. Prosperity will come to your life. It's all in the anchor of trust. Trust what? Look at number A. Trust he has your best interest in mind. Just a couple areas of, of strong areas to trust in. When I was a youth pastor at Deaver Connor, I took the kids rafting, and I had one youth leader that was a, a graduated from high school, and he was my leader, and he had an extreme amount of energy um, and extreme amount of courage. And whenever I went rafting, I'd be the guide on the rafting, but he would be the person that would help me out the most. And we went rafting on one particular trip, and, and uh, when we were going through Oak Springs, uh, he was on an inflatable kayak, and I went through it on a raft, and he said, I want to run this rapid on this inflatable kayak. And I said, no. <laughs> and the reason why is because you don't understand the power of the water. Um, I understand the power of the water. Why? Because I've been stupid in my younger years, and I've, under- <laughs> I've fallen in enough to understand the power of the water. He has not fallen in yet and understand the power of the water, and he wants to take this little tiny kayak down this huge wave. And I said, no. Why? Because the wave will take advantage of you. And uh, him in his youth said, oh, come on, don't restrict me. Let me be free. Let me enjoy it. Let me love it. And I would say, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. If you want to do it, enjoy it, love it. Sure enough, he hit it dead on, and that wave completely took advantage of him, and he came up with his head split open after that wave turned him around. And after that wave turned him around, he comes up, and I've never seen him before like this, he was waving his hand, saying, help me, help me, help me. And I was there, okay, I'll pick you up. And I didn't know what was going on. I picked him up. Blood was everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. If you'd only trust that I had your best interest in mind rather than you thinking that you knew what was going on. Sure enough, after that day, he was the best rafter friend that I've ever had. Why? Because he had the respect of the water. But in the beginning, he didn't trust that I had his best interest in mind. Often in the beginning, I would say, God, you don't have my best interest in mind. You are restricting me from happiness. You are restricting me from joy. The heartbeat of our lives need to go, God has my best interest in mind. And if we get to that point of trusting that, what's going to happen? We're going to go after God's answers. We're going to go after God's understanding. We're going to go after what is in God's mind, and then we're going to follow it and obey it. But we don't often. Why? Because we don't think God has his best interest in mind. So when he says words like, going back up to our list, if you want to keep your life, you need to lose it. Many people in this world, if you use your world's wisdom, God, you are crazy. But what does God say in this? Trust me. We think different. I think different. And my mind is yours. My heart is yours. Trust me. If you want to be great, be a servant. Why would I want to be a servant? Servants aren't great. Masters are great. God says, no, 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 I think different, I think backwards, do this instead, and in the process of doing it, trust me. Another area of trust, trust he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) We often don't believe that God knows what he is talking about, and when we look at this world and we look at the wisdom of the world and what the world has to offer, we often embrace it, and what does he say? If you want to be free, what do you need to do? Obey. 
Well, God, that looks like restrictions. No, it isn't restrictions. It's freedom. Obey. Trust me. It is better to give than to receive. Makes no sense. No logic in our minds, in our human minds. God says, trust me. If you want to fight effectively, get on your knees, close your eyes and bow your head. God, that makes no sense. He goes, that's what I like doing. I like giving you things that don't make human sense. And in the things that don't give human sense is where my power is going to flow like no other. Why? Because I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. If you want God's wisdom, the foundation of God's wisdom is our trust in him. But there's three different principles. Number four, God's wisdom requires you don't lean on your understanding. If you want God's wisdom, you cannot lean on your own understanding. Now, this is a challenge for all of us in this world that we live in. And the reason why is because when we live in this world, we see children suffer. We see people starving. We see hurricanes that are taking place. We see earthquakes that are happening. We see abortions that are happening. They're happening legal. And, and as these things are taking place, we are saying to God, consistently saying, God, I don't understand. And all of us are saying that multiple times in the week. God, I don't understand. And how does God speak into that? The way that God speaks into it is don't lean on your own understanding. You feel it, but he's saying, I feel it too. And by you questioning, say, I don't understand. Are you off your rocker? Are you no longer sovereign? Are you no longer in control? God's saying, don't lean on your own understanding. If you want wisdom, this is where you need to lean on my understanding rather than yours. But I don't understand. I need an answer. Look at Proverbs 3 and look in that connection of these words. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let love and faithfulness, whose love and faithfulness? God's love and faithfulness. What does he want the love and faithfulness to ever do? Never to leave you. Bind them around your neck is what? Is a statement of, of a hug. Wrap them around your neck. Let them hold you. Write them on the tablets of your heart, the most core of your being. What has taken place when all these things that we don't understand is happening? God is calling us to himself. And when you don't understand, what can we do? We can lean into the arms of God and say, I don't understand. And then we can hear the words whisper, don't lean on your own understanding. Sin is in this world and sin is wiping things out in this world. But there is a reason why this world continues to go, and I have not ended it. Don't lean on your own understanding. Letter A, how do we not lean on our own understanding? Don't lean on your own understanding in regards to our health. <laughs> this area is like, God, I don't understand why I'm sick. I don't understand why cancer is taking place. I don't understand why my child is mentally handicapped. We say these words, and those words are completely and entirely appropriate. But the more appropriate words that even come from that is God's words. Child, let me embrace you, and don't lean on your own understanding. Well, God, I still don't understand what's taking place. We can say those words, but he's saying don't lean on that. Because if you lean on it, what's going to take place? 
What's going to take place is you're going to ruin yourself, ruin your family, ruin your emotions. Everything is going to drive you to a grave before you even get to the grave. And you have a God that says, I am a God that gives you hope. Therefore, don't lean on your own understanding, even when you don't understand. When you read about heaven, it's fun to find little things that are going to be there. A couple things that are going to be there is our scars are going to be there that are on our body. Jesus came and his scars were still on him. And I believe that our scars will be there. Another thing that's going to be there is um, all our tears are going to be wrapped up in a, in a bottle. God is collecting all of our tears, and our tears are going to be handed back to us. Well, there's situations that we're going through in our health, and we don't understand. But why are you going through the situations in our health? And the reason why is because we live in a sinful world, and the sinful world does what? <laughs> it kills us. <laughs> Those who sin die. It, it, it kills us. But in the process of it killing us, there is going to be a glorification that comes place, and we will show up with our scars in heaven to say, here is the sin that killed me. Here is the world that I lived in, and the sin wiped me out. But then what do we see? A loving Savior, a beautiful Father say, well, this eternity is eternity to prove that salvation is alive and it exists in you. All the, all the years that we're going to spend in eternity, we're going to worship God's nail-scarred hands. And the reason why we're going to worship God's nail-scarred hands is because that is the thing that conquered sin. And when we see the scars on our life, what are we going to see? We're going to say, I used to be dead, but now I'm alive. Why? Because of that resurrection and then for the rest of eternity, glory will be given to God. But when we live in this earth, it's like, God, I don't understand. And God is saying, yes, you don't. Not yet, but one day you will understand similarly similarly to the way that Job understood in his life. To bear the cross is to wear a crown. Well, Jesus is the one that went through the cross, but what does he also tell us to do? He tells us to carry a cross. What is this cross that he's asking us to carry? Well, we're living in a sinful world that is destroying us, but as we live in a sinful world, bear down one day a crown will be yours. Let her be. Don't lean on your own understanding in regards to your situation. God, I don't understand my situation. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand why I lost my job. I do not understand what is happening. Remember what the word trust means? The trust means is that you have intimacy. God wants intimacy with you more than anything else. And when these things happen, we often reject God, but God says, no, I want to give you wisdom, and I want to give you intimacy. I want to give you my mind, my heart. Therefore, don't lean on your own understanding, and when you don't, and when you trust me, what's going to happen? Wisdom is going to be shoveled your way. The repenting soul is a victorious soul. To be low is to be high. To have nothing is to possess all. What is God saying in these statements? He's saying that your situation has meaning, has purpose, and has blessing. Well, it doesn't have blessing right now. God says, well, don't lean on your own understanding. There's something that's beyond what has taken place that you just don't understand. Trust me and stop leaning on that understanding of yours. Number five, or I'm going to, number C, don't lean on your own understanding in regards to your hurt. The way down is the way up, and what does that proclaim? That proclaims a beautiful resurrection. There is going to be a day that we are going to be completely and entirely healed from all our pain, from our entire past, from absolutely everything, wiped away clean from our sins, 
And what is that glory going to be? It's going to be a resurrection. And you know what's going to take place for an entire eternity? We're going to focus on that beautiful resurrection that took place on this planet. What do we do? Way down is the way up. God, your mind is working different than mine. Way down is the way down, according to my mind. And God say, no, it isn't. There's a resurrection that's going to happen. It will be the way up. The broken heart is the healed heart. Martin Luther says, I never understand any of the Psalms until I suffered. And when I suffered, all of a sudden those Psalms started coming alive and I saw God for who he is. Another area that we need to acknowledge is God's wisdom requires us to acknowledge him. Trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. And then number three, you have to acknowledge him. God's wisdom requires of it. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? He will make your paths straight. And I want to connect this with the verse 7. Do not, be wa- uh, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. That is a statement of how to acknowledge him. Now, what do you get in this verse? When you acknowledge him, your paths, I will say, automatically go straight. <laughs> we have so many questions in this world. God, what do I do? Where do I turn? How do I function? What takes place? Those answers come from where? Does it come from your mind? Or does it come from the person that takes his heart and says, I want to acknowledge you in every situation? There's a guidance that takes place when we choose to acknowledge him according to that passage. We cry out, God, give me wisdom, give me wisdom, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. And God is literally saying, just take me and your paths will go straight. Just acknowledge me and then I will guide you through the process, through the situations. If you want your path straight and raising your children, working your job, all your relationships, and making all the right choices, what's a good principle of mind to do? Just acknowledge him in every step of the way. Letter A, acknowledge him, acknowledge that he is with you, does not want you to walk alone, and he wants to know that he's with you, and when we acknowledge that, wisdom is coming our way. Acknowledge that he loves you, wisdom is coming our way when we acknowledge that. Acknowledge that he will help you. Leaning on him and acknowledging his power, wisdom is coming your way. True wisdom comes when you trust God, when you, lean on your own, when you don't lean on your own understanding, and you acknowledge him, wisdom is going to be shoveled your direction. In closing, number six, wisdom is walking God's path, God's way, with God's mind. And then the question would be, do you trust him? It's not easy to always trust him, and the reason why is because we live in a world that offers us something. We have our own mind that we think offers us something. But God says, that's not wisdom. If you want wisdom, trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge me. And what's he going to do through all that? He will make our paths straight. What does that mean? It means he will give you wisdom in every situation. God, we just thank you, God, for... um, Thank you, God, for your interest in our lives. God, you have uh, pursued us in a way that uh, we cannot even understand, going to a cross, dying in our place, and giving us eternal life. God, help us to trust you. Help us to be a people, God, that looks at that salvation and looks at what you've done and, and trust you with all our heart. God, our understanding, our own understanding comes up, and we want to go a different way than you want us to go. And I just pray, God, that we will be a people that don't do that. But, God, that our trust would be so committed and dedicated to you that we will not let go of it. In Christ's name, amen.